0: Thanks for, you know, responding to us and then being on, of course. Um, I think for me, I, you know, reading your book at the moment, I'm still not done, but I, I think for me, just the content that you put out, obviously super, super helpful in the CrossFit world. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm just curious, you as a person, kind of like what, what your CrossFit or not your CrossFit, what your uh, health and fitness journey through weightlifting and, and everything that, how, how did that start?
1: Oh, man. Uh, you know, it's a loaded question. Right? And well, like- it's, it's just, I don't even know where to start really is what it comes down to is because I don't really know when it began. It was, um, I was always involved in sports as a kid. Uh, you know, both my parents were athletes, uh, you know, in multiple sports. And so I was kind of encouraged to do that stuff as a young kid, you know, I did gymnastics briefly. um, And then I did every, you know, traditional American boy sport you can think of pretty much uh, along with some pretty obscure ones, uh, you know, down to like, uh, I I competed in bike trials, which that takes an hour just to explain to people, Um, you know, rock climbing, all these different things. So, but the common thread to me was always that I enjoyed the training and the preparation for the sports, um, often more than the sport itself. And so that was kind of what drove me to, you know, get into the the training side of things and the coaching side of things. Eventually. Yeah. Cheers. I wasn't sure if that was just the name or <laughs> we were getting, getting involved. I think, yeah, I'm, no, Hey, you know, cheers, man. I, you
0: know, sometimes we don't want to necessarily pressure folks into, you know, I don't feel pressured goodness, at all, but it is definitely part of it.
1: <laughs> I'm a big boy. I don't respond to peer pressure anymore. Uh, I try to create it. Um, so it was always just something that uh, appealed to me in that sense, where it was not just the physical side of it, you know, and, and the, um, the the drive to, to progress and to push myself, but also the the intellectual side of it is is learning and and practicing and experimenting and you know interacting with other people and figuring out what works, what doesn't, um, and kind of finding all these new methods or, or ways to refine existing methods that worked for myself, and then of course you know now for many years uh, finding what works for a huge range of people, um, and and th- you know there's always that sense of kind of curiosity and experimentation um, that if you are someone who is interested at all in this sort of stuff like there's no end to that rabbit hole so you can always keep yourself quite busy
0: yeah man um you you talked about some as far as obscure sports how did it lead up you know to weightlifting is it did it you just kind of along the way kind of find that route or well, was it something that you just you know
1: kind of and weightlifting was a weird one because, you know, at, at the time, um, I can't remember when I f- was first exposed to it in any way, uh, but it would have been as a, you know, a very young teenager. Uh, and I kind of taught myself, you know, how to snatch and clean and jerk as well as I could when I was, you know, I don't know, 15, 16 years old, uh, just bits and pieces that were out there, uh, you know, books, whatever. And there was just nothing particularly helpful in that regard, at least that I knew of. Um, and I didn't know anybody who did it. I didn't, of course, have access to a coach. And this is all people forget, but there was a time when Google didn't exist. Like you couldn't <laughs> just go and like weightlifting coach near my house. Um and so, so you largely your videos being put
0: yeah, out on Instagram. Yeah, exactly.
1: Catalyst athletics, how do I lift? Um <laughs> And so I kind of pieced that together as well as I could, but again, I had, I had no way to really pursue it or to really truly understand the sport. Um, and I, I, I just didn't know where to go from there. So it kind of just remained for years, you know, squat, bench, deadlift, snatch, clean jerk, you know, it was just another barbell lift that I kind of did here and there, but, um, could never really do properly. I didn't have the facility or the equipment. Um, you know, you can't, you know, I was in college, I had a, a power rack and a barbell and all that stuff in a spare bedroom of my apartment, second story. So it's like, you can't really snatch and clean and jerk on the carpeted second floor of an apartment building that's already borderline condemned. Um, so it was, I think what appealed to me so much about it was though, it, it, it tied in all these things that I liked about training for other sports. And it the training was essentially the sport itself. So it kind of just brought all these things together that are or what appealed to me about other things. And it was um, something where it, it's seemingly so simple uh, from an outsider's perspective, but really once you're, once you're in there, you recognize how complex these things are and uh, kind of how elegant these, these movements are. And again, it's, it's the, this rabbit hole effect where you can, just go down and down further and further uh, along this path, and there's always something new to learn about it. There's always something to make better and refine, and, and to challenge yourself. So, you know, both from an athlete and a coach perspective, it was it was extremely appealing to me in that sense.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome, and I think a lot of some of those challenging things that uh, that we encounter for you, you know, in this case, weightlifting. For me, it was CrossFit, or it could be poker. You know, it's, it seems easy at first. And then you start looking into it and it's just it's there's segments that are just gratifying along the way. Like it fulfills that that challenge and then that, you know, you're you're achieving certain things. But then you realize how complex it is and how much more you can learn. So that's that's pretty cool.
1: It's definitely a sport that attracts people who are interested and motivated by the process itself versus simply outcome focused, right? Because if you're outcome focused and weightlifting, you don't last because it's a really tough, monotonous, tedious, uh, you know, just soul crushing sport so much of the time. And, you know, even if you compete relatively frequently, it's this brief moments, um, you know, relative to hours and hours and hours, you know, weeks, months, years of training. So if you don't enjoy the process, at least most of the time, you don't last because it's not that fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Socrates is was able to log on there. Um, Socra Greg, Greg, Socra.
1: Good to meet you. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's frozen.
0: He is frozen. Um, Greg, if, if you don't mind me asking, what are you drinking?
1: Uh, Deschutes Mirror Pond Ale, which is a local... Uh, brewery here in central Oregon nice man
0: okay I I thought you were in California for some reason but Oregon I
1: I, I was I grew up in California I lived in five or six different areas from southern to northern Uh, and then my wife and I just moved to central Oregon in uh, 2016
0: nice man I mean huge craft brewery I mean I don't know as far as the craft brewery or craft brew um, everything that's, yeah, Colorado, Oregon, those are, I mean, there's definitely. yeah, central
1: Oregon's guys. out of control. I mean, there's probably dozens I don't even know about, not that I follow it closely, but, sure. uh, these guys, I, I very much like.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate you too. Like I, I, I got your book and then like, I like soon right after that, you're like, um, you know, kind of, Hey shop local, but if you, you know, you have to get it on Amazon. I'm like, ah, I got it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we're we're down here in Miami, it's, you know, like suburbia, it's, it's, and, and like local bookstores and stuff like that. I mean, just things are closing like crazy. Um, it's tough, but I appreciate that, you know, you have, have that mindset and, um, you know, definitely craft brewery when it comes to that, it, that is a thing, you know, like some of these local places, they'll, um, they'll get to a certain point and then, you know, they'll sell to a, a, one of these huge um, larger breweries that have, have better distribution and all that. But I mean, there's still definitely plenty of, of the small places. Um, yeah, and they're still popping up. It's kind of saturated, but.
1: Um, yeah, it, it is. It's one of those things where now everybody thinks they're some kind of master beer craftsman, and yeah, few of them are. Uh, sure. But yeah, I figure. I figure Jeff Bezos and Anheuser-Busch don't need more of my money. So if I can give it to someone else who's, you know, enjoys what he's doing or she's doing and, you know, supporting themselves and them families, then I'd rather do that when I can. Yeah, man, for sure.
0: As far as weightlifting and CrossFit, um, and maybe when you were, you know, first starting out, um, and as CrossFit started coming up, has your... um, well, well, I guess what was your initial thought of, of CrossFit and compared to maybe what it is now and how it's implemented weightlifting, Olympic lifts?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, my initial impression of CrossFit was just wondering what was going on and uh, kind of what the point was. And and I was very lucky to get introduced to it extremely early on, like 2003. Yeah. Um and just odd series of coincidences. I I met Rob Wolf, who um, helped start the original CrossFit affiliate gym in Seattle with a guy named Dave Werner and Nick Nibbler. Like they're the ones who literally gave Greg and Lauren Glassman the idea to have affiliate gyms. Um, and so shortly after that, he moved down to Northern California where I was living, and I, I met him through a neighbor who was doing jits at a, a studio. At Rob had just rented out the back you know, third or so of to do a CrossFit uh, gym. And I kind of thought, well, this is a little bit goofy, you know, I, I had my own thing, you know, my, my power rack, and I was doing my own training and all that stuff in my garage. Um, but the more I talked to Rob and, and kind of got a clear understanding of what was happening, it was essentially using training methods from weightlifting, powerlifting, gymnastics and sprinting. I was like, well, I can't argue with that. I mean, those things are all developing, um, you know, really important physical qualities. You get a combination of those things and and develop that capacity, um, you know, across those domains and you're going to have a hell of an athlete. And so I started training with Rob and, uh, kind of figured out what was going on, what the purpose was and, and really enjoyed it. And then of course, finally, I had a place where I could actually snatch and clean a jerk because we had rubber floors and, we didn't have very good bars, you know, they were $99 BFS bars, but at least they spun a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I couldn't, you know, be, be dropping stuff on my garage floor. So uh, it, it has changed a lot since then. Um, and it, the, the primary difference I think is simply the, the quantity of work that is being done. You know, back then it was very typical for a CrossFit workout to be, you know, five to 12 minutes long. Um, and now if a workout is that long, it's because people are doing six of them in a day, right? It's it's not like that's it, one and done, you move on. Um, and of course, it's drawn in so many more experienced coaches and athletes from other disciplines who've then contributed their knowledge and their experience. And so there really has been an interesting evolution. And I think now, um, you have so many great aspects that are making it accessible to so many people who wouldn't otherwise have ever trained in anything other than kind of like your, your standard watered down bodybuilding sort of approach, you know, for appearance, general sense of health and wellness. Uh, And so that's fun to see, you know, it's fun to see, uh, you know, like a 45 year old uh, insurance broker who's never done anything athletic in his life. And he's in there snatching and cleaning, jerking and doing pull-ups and climbing ropes Um, you know, uh, some woman who's got three kids and has never done anything really for herself. And now she's out there and, and uh, doing these super athletic things and and having that sense of empowerment and confidence. And so I think, you know, obviously, there are things about it that I don't agree with and have argued with in the past. But overall, it's, you know, it's this overwhelmingly positive thing. And it's provided so many opportunities, you know, for someone like me, it's essentially the reason that I can do what I do for a living. So, I got no qualms with that.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, it 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 has been able to, you know, bring it to the masses um, you know, through kind of those it touched on some of those human aspects where you know, like you said, it just your everyday person can can do some pretty pretty amazing things and and yeah, I mean I I have my own things with CrossFit just on a personal level, I think you, you know, experience stuff and, and, you you know, everyone has kind of their opinion, but I I totally agree. Um, Overall, definitely. If you can get people moving and motivating them to do that. um, Definitely overwhelming, positive, overwhelmingly positive. That said, um, and, and not to put you on the spot, be kind of specific about it, but I am curious as to, you know, Like, for example, earlier this week, we were doing uh, a max three rep for uh, hang squat cleans. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I was like, hmm, would as far as weightlifting goes, would it just be working up to one and then maybe doing a three rep max? Would that be more kind of just practicing the movement to get to the to get to the one or is there something specific about a three rep max, you know, especially when you're getting down to that third lift where maybe it's, it's less beneficial. I'm curious what your opinion would be.
1: Uh, well, a few ways I can go with that. And, and we certainly do very heavy triples in a, in a lot of the lifts. Okay. Um, but that's going to be generally like far out from competition. So if you're running, if you've got a 12 to you know 20 week training cycle leading into your next competition, um, you're going to be doing that, that higher volume stuff early on in you know, the first half of that or so. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not unusual for me to program triples. And for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, we're doing moderate weight, building up a little bit and then working to max triples. Um, what it it is is very beneficial in the sense that we always want to be pushing that threshold of ability we tend to differ with CrossFit generally this is not true for all CrossFit practitioners of course but we're just a little pickier about how that rep max is executed right so CrossFit, the the typical thing we always see, like say with a snatch is like putting a knee down and like, Oh, it counts in CrossFit. Okay. Well, that's fine. You do whatever you do to, you know, achieve whatever goals you have for yourself in weightlifting, We're going to tend to cut max effort attempts off a little bit sooner to ensure that we're executing them with, with more technical precision. Not always. Sometimes we're going to push something and it's going to get a little ugly. um, But that is, is far less common than you see in CrossFit where it's kind of like anything goes get it up there one way or another just try not to die um, although sometimes they don't try too hard not to die um, and so I mean really that's that's the only difference there is we'll still do those rep ranges and we'll, we'll push it to max it's just that our, our max is kind of defined a little differently uh, in a sense because it is more it's more critical to us to have that technical uh, proficiency and execution or excuse me, consistency in order to, um, you know, build those qualities and that ability heavier and heavier and heavier to support those, you know, ultimate one rep uh, maxes that we need in competition. Got
0: it. And so now Socrates is going to perform a three rep max for you and you're going to
2: I wish. I wish I had
1: Yeah. Right there on the top of that table. It's all nice and polished <laughs> and ready to go.
2: Hey, Greg, thank you for taking the time, man, to be here with us. First of all, man. Oh,
1: that was my pleasure.
2: And listen, you know, one thing I've been uh, really curious about is, is do those people that have a weightlifting background, do they have an edge in your point of view? when As it comes... CrossFitters? Right.
1: Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Look at Matt Frazier. Right. Matt Frazier was a phenomenal junior weightlifter. He was you know, at the Olympic training center yeah. in Colorado Springs until he heard his back. Um, and you watch him perform in CrossFit. And this is something that I tried to get across to people for so many years. And I got so much grief about it, um, from CrossFit HQ, cause they didn't want to hear it is that the, the way you become a phenomenal CrossFitter is not by doing these lifts within conditioning workouts Um, initially, right. You, you become phenomenal by learning these lifts and building proficiency and an ability and a foundation in isolation before you start integrating them into conditioning workouts. So Matt Frazier didn't get good at snatching and clean and jerking by doing Isabel and grace. Mm -hmm. He got good at those things (laughs) as a weightlifter. And then he learned how to crossfit right? And there's a really critical difference. Like we just always used to laugh because Greg Glassman used to say, well, you know, we've observed that, um, you know, the people who are able to do the most kipping pull-ups are also the ones who can do the most strict pull-ups. And it's like, yeah, but you're reversing that relationship. The people do the most kipping pull-ups are the ones who started with the most strict pull-ups and then learned how to kip. I I did CrossFit briefly. I could do 60 kipping pull-ups consecutively. Um, and this was pre Butterfly. It was uh, actual kipping pull ups, <laughs> and uh, so, but it was because I could do a ton of strict pull ups because I've always done pull ups throughout my life, and I just happen to be pretty good at them. Um, but you, we could get people all day long who we teach them how to do a kipping pull up first, and they can knock out a bunch. They might not be able to do a single strict pull up. So it's it's just understanding that relationship and what is driving what. And so that was one of the biggest changes we saw in competitive CrossFit is that people were understanding, hey, I have to train weightlifting and I have to train gymnastic skills and I have to train distance running. And then I put it in together into these CrossFit workouts rather than, no, doing the, the quote unquote, you know, standard CrossFit Metcon, you know, a circuit of all these things is the way that you train it and develop it. Um, and so that's been a, a huge evolution in the training methodology and you're seeing in, in part because you're drawing super talented athletes now, right? You're, you're getting the cream mm-hmm. of the crop, um, who would do well at, in other sports too, but the methodology is so much better too. So you have people just going to crazy levels with this stuff. You know, and,
2: and, you know, while you, you were just explaining the whole, um, aspect of being a good weightlifter and then making the transition into CrossFit, I was thinking of, you know, of UFC fighters that they um those who are really good is because they had some type of background in wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling and 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 all that stuff. And then they learned the whole idea of, you know, of 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 the martial arts parts of it and the boxing parts of it. So, you know, my my other question would be this, Greg. It is is do you think that CrossFit, is, CrossFit itself, the competition, are changing more into that part that you just said of being good. Also, like, let's say, this running and, and doing all these little things that are moving a little bit away from the, the lifting part of it. Uh,
1: no, I mean, I think I think every to be at the top of, say, as a competitive CrossFit, be at the top of the games, you really, truly have to be well-rounded. And the, these guys and girls can do just about anything you throw at them extremely well. Um, you're going to have people who are naturally better at certain aspects, like you're going to have people who come into it, right. who kind of have that um, natural proclivity for distance running or something like that. Maybe they had a, more of a background there, or you have a guy like Matt Frazier who has that background in weightlifting he's probably going to excel in that. More so than other things and, and more so relative to his competition. Um, but I do think that the the way they keep getting so good is that they're, they're very good at recognizing um, what their weaknesses are and then emphasizing those things in their training so that they can bring it all up to a similar level versus just like, well, I'm going to try to uh, take advantage of the fact that I'm I'm best at weightlifting and just kind of hope those things come up in competition because <laughs> sometimes that happens, right? You know, some, sometimes it really is the luck of the draw and, and you happen to get events that suit you, uh, but you can't rely on that. And so that's no. why you see a guy like Matt who is so dominant so consistently is because he doesn't really have weak points. Like he's been so good at, at shoring up any weaknesses he has until they're, they're at maybe not the best out of everyone he's competing against, but good enough to to stay with them so that, you know, whatever his strong points are, he can, you know, uh, outdo them there. So you, you, it's the, the days of being really dominant in one thing and just okay at others are, are long gone. Like the, the athletes who are being drawn to the sport are just too damn good now. Like you can't, you can't get away with any sloppiness. That's for sure.
2: Can't have witnesses. <laughs>
1: No. I mean, you really can't. And you see um, if someone does, you find out real quickly, like in a games event where, you know, you see someone who's doing so well and then suddenly, boom, they drop down 15 places in the ranking from, you know, from one workout because it happened to contain something they're not good enough at yet. So it's like. You know, and you take someone like that, and hopefully they go home and recognize. Okay, you know, I, I got to focus on this. I can't just get away with ignoring it and hoping it doesn't come up because you know eventually it's going to come up.
2: Um, I have I have a question. I haven't I haven't read your book. I'm, I'm soon to read it, uh, Pedro. is going to lend it to me soon. But I have heard a couple of your um, other podcasts that you you, you you've been. And um, I'm really, I don't know. Um, I guess I want more explanation on the four C's. Mm-hmm. If, if you uh, could.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the, the... sorry to interrupt you. Is that the the last podcast that I heard you talking about it? It, it was like a thirty minute podcast, so you was you, you, you couldn't, you know, kind of like go into each one of them. In kind of like details and explain to people why the four C are so necessary when it comes to training, when it comes to achieving your goals and, and, you know, looking back and, and, and all of that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, part of the dilemma with that book, I titled it tough and that, that's a, not necessarily a great title because it, it, people don't know what you mean. Uh, and so too many people assume like it just means don't ever, you uh, don't ever have emotion. Don't ever struggle. Just pretend everything's okay and, and rub some dirt in it and walk it off. And it, sure. it, it, it's so much more involved than that. And so the way I break down true toughness is those four C's. Okay. And so number one is character. Uh, two is capability. Three is capacity. And four is commitment. So character is uh, our identity. It is who we are. And that includes our values. So what is meaningful to us? What is important to us? What is our, our sense of purpose? You know, Where does that come from? Um, and then a huge part of it is our security in that identity is so not just thinking like this is who I am, but really trusting in that and believing it 100% to your core so that there is, you are not going through your life um trying to prove yourself to other people, trying to, uh, you know, seeking attention and validation from people, you were able to just say, this is who I am. This is what's important to me. And now this is what I need to do uh, to achieve that sense of fulfillment. Like it all lines up, it's all in harmony. And so that's how we avoid the silly competition and the one-upmanship and, you know, all the nonsense that so many of us uh, are, are guilty of. And, I, you know, I still do it some extent as, as, as well as I figured this stuff out, like I'm subject to it, just like everybody else. Um, But but that's, that's the really the foundation for everything. Without that, the other stuff doesn't really make sense. You can't figure out the other things without having that foundation of, of truly knowing your identity and truly being secure in it. Um, And so if you, if you want to look at that in terms of a sport, whether it's CrossFit weightlifting or anything else, This is where your motivation comes from, right? So your your motivation is tied directly to your values. So if you are in a sport because you had a weird relationship with your dad, and now you're you're focused on proving him wrong, like he said you were a loser. Now I'm going to show my dad, dumb old man, uh, you know, or whatever. Like oh, my dad never said he was proud of me, so now I need to find, you know, get his approval. That kind of motivation generally does not work long-term. And even if it works in the sense that you are able to achieve something phenomenal in an objective sense, you, you get to that point and you are still unhappy, right? You, you win three Olympic gold medals and you're like, damn, I, I'm going to go drink more, you know, cause it just doesn't fulfill what truly is important to you. And so as an athlete, it's really critical to understand why you are doing what you're doing, because that's what allows you to stay committed and, and uh, maintain that discipline and all these things that are, are necessary in order to take these things to the highest level. So that's character. Um, capability is th- a really all-encompassing um, category in that it includes all kinds of skills and physical qualities. So that's our athletic side of things or or our skills in terms of um, you know, knowing how to, I don't know, weld or fix things or, you know, repair your car, anything you can think of, the, the more of these things we are able to do, the more self-reliant we are, the less we're we're consuming what other people put out, the less we need to uh, depend on other people to, to help us or, uh, you know, provide opportunities for us. We can just decide to do something and then do it. Um, and it also includes knowledge and experience. So this is, You know, there's so much out there in the world and we, we know so little of it because we tend to be totally focused on our specialty or, or the area that we are interested in um, primarily. And we, we kind of lose sight of the fact that there is so much else out there. um, And that, that those other things, that other knowledge, that those other experiences provide so much on their own, but they also contribute to our specialty and to what is most important to us. So for example, um, you know, if you are a weightlifter, you care about weightlifting, but if you spend time with say a wrestling coach or, you know, a wrestling team, or, uh, you know, some gymnasts or something like that, you are going to pick up, um, not just kind of theoretical stuff or, you know, mental approaches to training, but you're going to pick up physical side and methodology that you can change or modify in some way and very likely help your own training as a weightlifter. So the more of those experiences and the more of that knowledge and skill you can you can collect into this toolbox, the better prepared you are to, to deal with anything and, and the, the more successful you can be, even if you're talking about that specialty. Um, capacity is essentially resilience- but it's it's beyond resilience. So resilience is the ability to kind of endure some kind of trauma or adversity and, and return to that original condition, uh, you know, unscathed. But with capacity, what we're trying to do is not just survive something, but actually thrive because of it. So, in other words, we we take that adversity hardship challenge and we find Every possible way that we can learn from it to become better, we we find ways to become stronger from it, um, to become, uh, you know, more adaptable and flexible and things like that so that anything we encounter, no matter how difficult, how unpredictable, how novel, we're able to cope with it productively, um, not lose our minds, not get set back, Um, you know, even if the experience itself is the most miserable, awful thing ever. Once we come out the other end of it, we are in a better position than we were going into it, right? So that's, to me, in my mind, that's the only way to deal with adversity. Otherwise, it's just nothing more than a miserable experience. And we're all rational adults, like we don't want to be miserable. So if we can't use it to our advantage, then it's kind of like, what's the point? You know, Why are we wasting our time surviving something if if we can't get something meaningful out of it? And then finally, um, commitment. And this is this is really what draws the first three together. This is what um, it puts all of this stuff into practice, into action. This is where we, we get the discipline side of things and the actual behavior side of things so that uh, we're not just telling ourselves, "Oh, I am this person, and these are my values. But then in you know, in day-to-day life, the way we're behaving and speaking, we are not actually doing that stuff That to, to support that and to um, make those things true. And so it's just a kind of a fantasy we have about who we are and and what we're doing. Uh, and so those four things together, uh, to me, is, is what creates true toughness. So it's not just one aspect here and there. It's not the physical ability to do something or withstand something. It's not the mental uh, ability to kind of just survive difficult things or adversity and it's it's not just discipline you know all on its own like they all have to be integrated uh, into th- this one interdependent collection of qualities and actions and the ways of thinking for us to really achieve that that true uh, definition of toughness
2: I don't want to I don't want to put out there your uh, I don't know your coaching ideologies and all of that, or, or, or or secrets. (laughs) But when you take a, an athlete to train, to train that athlete, what are the aspects that you're looking for? Or do you have to like retrain them mentally to be able to accomplish what they set out to do? Hold on.
0: Hold on one second. Socrates. So he, he gave you the cliff notes, but you're still gonna, you know, you're still gonna read the book. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, you
1: know. No, 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 this, you no that's right a good question, though. That's a good question because I don't, I don't address that in that book uh, because it, the the book itself is not really sport specific. Right, um, right. No, no, no. I meant the, the four C's. Is- oh yeah. Oh, there. <laughs> trust me, there's still way more in there. but uh, <laughs> you
2: know it is is but, that, uh, you know, uh, sometimes coaches, when they have their athletes. They, they try to get into their athletes kind of like a friend of mine and they yeah. try to see what they are, you know, where they act and how they can, you know, take what they're at to kind of like put it into another level.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know if you, if you, if you understand what I'm trying to say, but it's kind of like, you know, you, this, this athlete has a talent, you know, but maybe he's missing a few elements that you just mentioned. Yeah. So that, like, you know, it, then how do you go about like, you know, tweaking or, or changing or saying like, this is what you need to do to be able to accomplish this. You know, I don't know. If, so if, if in that
1: you, First and foremost, you, you have to have something to work with. Right. So the, the little I, expression, like my grandfather used to say is you can't make a racehorse out of a mule. Right. Like <laughs> you, you have to have someone who has the ability to begin with. It doesn't mean they're perfect or the, the best in the world already, uh, Cause then you have, there's no coaching. You're just watching them, um, but you, you have to have something to work with. Right. And so from there, you help them develop these qualities, some of which they might not have at all, some of which they might have to, to a low level. Um, but it is really day to day, helping them work through how to apply these things and how to change the way they're thinking. So, you know, with weightlifting, weightlifting is a really frustrating diff sport. There's a lot of setbacks. There's a lot of, of days, you know, often, you know, repeated that you are not able to do what you think you should be able to do. Like you're missing weights that you think you should be able to do, or you, you have an injury that now sets you back. So there, there's all kinds of complications. And we tend to focus as people on the negative and get overwhelmed with that stuff and so, you know, one example is that, uh, you know, I get all my lifters to keep a training journal, and every single session, at the end of that session, they have to write down, you know, a few things. For example, um, you know, what did I do well in this session? So, no matter how bad that session is, they've got to give me at least three things that they did well, uh, and okay. that, that's that's a way, a practical way, a simple way that we can. Change that thinking to stop focusing so much on the negative. Right. And remember that your worst day, you still did something well, something still went right. Uh, and then we move on to okay, so, so what didn't go well? You know, what, what was the problem here? But instead of just leaving it there, like, oh, I missed these weights or I wasn't focused, whatever, they then have to say, what am I going to do about this next time? How am I going to make this better? Uh, and so that it's a, a practical action not just like, I'm going to try harder because that's stupid. That's useless, right? Everyone says they're going to try harder, but you know, what exactly are you going to do? Uh, you know, if you were unfocused next time, are you going to make sure you put your phone on, do not disturb and leave it outside of the gym or in your bag? Um, are you going to make sure that you are, uh, you know, visualizing your next set while you're resting versus, you know, talking to somebody else in the gym. So it, it's, it's helping a, a already good athlete become much better through, you know, different tools that they can use mentally to control the way they're thinking um, and and to to cope with emotions that are unavoidable that support the performance that they're trying to achieve versus simply focusing on, you know, the physical aspects of everything.
2: Got it. Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> After your... Um, it- the things that you've done, I think, you know, you, you started in one <coughs> realm, I guess you call it, and then, you know, you've expanded on that. Um, and I think that's what happens to a lot of people. They start doing something and then they figure out how expansive it could be and then how it ties back to just being a person and and being a better person and, and start start going down these rabbit holes, kind of like we we discussed a little bit. Um, there's usually some influence in that who, who has influenced you throughout your, you know, growth as a weightlifter, a coach. And now I think, you know, to some extent, uh, you know, a motivational speaker, I don't know if you, but yeah. I mean, through your book, through <laughs> some of the things that you've done, I mean, it, I mean, you've definitely gone, in my opinion, you know, on the motivational side, kind of inspiring other
1: people, anybody about Tony Robbins money. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. I'm saying you got, you, you might have a TED talk coming up pretty soon. Yeah. Right?
1: Um, I, I mean, certainly Rob Wolf was a huge influence. Um, and, and I mean, meeting him, like l- literally changed the course of my life because at that point, um, you know, I was working in a couple of different jobs. I was doing, you know, all kinds of, of ridiculous things. And I was planning to go back to grad school and, and, you know, teach American lit in college and, and thank God I didn't do that. Uh, (laughs) but you know, I met him and all of a sudden there was this opportunity to pursue, pursue something that I was passionate about that I I had just kind of assumed wasn't possible. Right. I, I didn't know where to go with it. Um, and so not only did he provide me that opportunity, but just as, you know, person to person, he's been a great friend for many years. Um, and was really a great example of someone who was, uh, you know, intelligent, motivated, and able to kind of put things into practice. You know, he's got these great books out, a couple of bestsellers, and um, he's got you know his hands in a multiple businesses that are successful, and and all these things. And then, of course, uh, my coach Mike Bergner, my weightlifting coach, yeah, hey. uh, was a huge mentor wow. for me, um, not just in coaching and you know the X's and O's type of things, but in also in terms of just personal relationships between athlete and coach. And, you know, he was my wife's coach too. So we, we really kind of continued his legacy in in terms of the way that our team, um, the nature of our team, right. It's, it's much more of kind of a family sort of thing versus, uh, this more business transactional sort of relationship. Um, And, and then there's, you know, there's been lots of people here and there who've had minor influences on me and it's, it's all over the map, you know, from uh, say, you know, I don't know, a guy like John Barklow, who is um, like a backcountry expert, wilderness, you know, survival expert, sort of things like that, where you, even if that's not something you're into, like there's so many intellectual sides of that stuff or, uh, you know, aspects that you can apply to, to totally unrelated things. And so there's, my big thing in, in life is simply trying to get exposed to as many different people and things as possible. Because like I was saying earlier, you pick things up um, that you're able to apply in ways that you could have never imagined and totally unpredictable. So without those experiences, you don't know what you're going to get out of them anyway.
2: Um, um, you, you just said and um, something that I'm, you know, when it comes to sport in general, um, and, and something you just said, what should be the relationship between coach and athlete you said that sometimes you had you well you said that uh your coach was more of a mentor more of a friend more of a person that was guiding you to to certain to do certain things while you have maybe other uh uh coaches that are more the business type or this is what you need to do to accomplish this it, Is there a balance? Is there some type of how you're supposed to approach an athlete as a coach? So,
1: yeah, I mean, there's a number of things to consider here. And first and foremost, as a coach, you have to be true to who you are. Right. So, for example, if. If I were more of that sort of like strict militaristic sort of guy, I can't pretend to be the more father figure, friendly, supportive kind of guy, because it's, it's not genuine and therefore it never works. And people see that whether they recognize it or not consciously, they, they know it. Um, And vice versa, right? If you're like me and you're kind of that, that friendly, supportive fatherly sort of guy with your lifters. And you try to be this like super authoritarian, disciplinarian, it doesn't work well. And I'm not saying I don't chew my lifters out from time (laughs) to time because, you know, any good dad is going to get on your ass about something. But, um, point being like, you have to really, you have to coach according to your personality and who you truly are. So, you know, it goes back to the first C character, right? Who are you and what's important to you? How, you know, how do you interact with people? Um, but also you have to keep in mind that every athlete is different. Every athlete responds differently um, right. to coaching and to these different approaches and different relationships. And so to some extent, you have to a- adjust your approach and you and the athlete have to meet in the middle to, to create the best possible relationship. But that's also why that certain coaches and athletes will never work well together. Right. So you can you can have a coach who is an absolutely phenomenal coach. They're so knowledgeable, they're incredibly skilled and experienced, but they cannot get uh you know success out of a certain athlete. And that <laughs> athlete can go to, to another coach and, and be successful, right? And it's not that it's not a bad coach, it's just that it's it's like any relationship, right? Like, I you know, I married my wife because she's the one I want as my wife. I can't just be like, oh, I'm gonna act like this with someone else because they happen to be there. It just doesn't work. It's the same thing with coach athlete relationship. So you, you do have to be willing as coaches and athletes to say, man, this is not working. Like you're great. I love you, but I need to go try something else. And, you know, as a coach, it's important to recognize that and not take it so personally and hopefully get it out of the way early on, you know, before you're too attached to each other. So it's not some big messy divorce situation. (laughs) So uh, what's next, Greg, for you? Oh, man, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I, there, there's so many things um, happening. Uh, there, there's a big one happening I can't really talk about yet because I, I don't know if I'm supposed to announce it yet, so I don't want to, but yeah. um, that's going to be cool. It's in the CrossFit realm. Um, Sweet. but so I will have, uh, you know, weightlifting wise, I've got something new coming out, which will be, um, full, you know, learning progression programs through the train heroic app. So people who want to learn how to snatch clean and jerk, nice. um, it's going to be as close as you can get to me teaching you, um, without actually paying me some exorbitant price and it, which you can't, you're never going to schedule with me anyway. So, Uh, this is going to be a cool, super affordable, accessible way, um, to help a bunch of people learn this stuff in, you know, everyone loves their, their phones and their apps now. So it's going to be right (laughs) there in their hand with me talking. I mean, Bergner's got it. So that's, that's the next big thing. That's,
0: that's going to be on the whiteboard. I think I, I, I I did one of his, uh, you know, programs for, I think it was like a four week ish or or so course that Mm -hmm. Bergner had. Yeah. Yeah. Cool wow um socrates you got you got something
2: else we got about four minutes wow Pick his brain no, you know what I, I i do have a lot of questions but if you have four minutes i don't want to i don't want to we'll make it yeah. count throw, like I throw, do.
1: throw me one and i'll talk fast
2: <laughs> and and i'm dying to just read the book and 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 basically you know i i actually have the same ideology as you when it comes to to way lifting and being a, be- a better crossfitter, even though, you know, I'm 50, so it's not like I'm going to compete or anything or looking to compete. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. But, you know, those That's little things, it means a lot. And kind of like, you know, gets into my head because I'm, I'm the type of person, and I, and you as a coach, you know, this different, like you said, this different type of athletes. I'm the type of athlete. of, 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 of crossfitter. Okay, you can say it. Of course, <laughs> it's more of listening and then trying to duplicate what you said. Mm-hmm. You get me kind of like, yeah. you know, I, you said something and I'm going to just, you know, take the bar and kind of like duplicate what you just said or what you just, you know, what I read that you said. That's the type of, you know, person that, that I am when it comes to, to, you know, just to doing it, to doing the, the, I, I, I like to just listen. And then just do it by myself kind
1: of, kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Which, you know? and, and that's, that's a perfect example of, you know, how a coach has to adapt to an athlete. So some coach or some athletes are very visual. They have to see the movement over and over and over, see that demonstrated. And then they'll try to mimic it. Someone like you wants to hear it described or read it and then kind of experiment yourself physically and, and, and figure it out. Uh, right. And so as a coach, you, you have to support that because you, you can't force an athlete to learn the way that you prefer. It's not going to work. Right. Um, and so you have to have that, that collection of tools uh, at your disposal to say, okay, you know, you need, you need this kind of support to learn. So I'm going to develop that and that's how I'm going to interact with you. Well, I can go and, and, you know, work with your teammate in a totally different way. and And that's, Those are the best coaches who are not only able, but willing to be flexible. The the, the worst kind of coaches are the ones who are like, this is my way. If it doesn't work for you too bad, like you're just going to not be good. It's like, well, I mean, that's your right as a, as a coach, as a person to not bother helping everybody, but it seems like kind of a dumb attitude to me you know, as a coach, um, (laughs) If you're a professional coach and you have a manager who just buys athletes for you who are suitable for your program, then, hey, lucky you. But, you know, I, I don't have that luxury. I have to work with the people who come to me. Um, and I think that makes you a better coach anyway. You know, you, you have to experiment. You have to, you know, be really attentive and, and pay attention to what works and what doesn't. And that's how you get better and better at dealing with any possible athlete who walks through your door.
2: Wow. Sound look, I, 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 I wouldn't mind you training me, bro. Right now, everything you say, <laughs> you know, I can, can I go over there and train with you, please? Please, <laughs>
0: oh, you,
1: you, you can do you it. You had to read it's and memorize my whole book first.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, the book is, is tough. Um, you know, Greg Everett, uh, Catalyst Athletics, um, I mean, content producer to me, that's like. It's just a it's a it's the new thing, and I think a lot of people just like you know CrossFit, so to speak. It's like you're able to kind of package this thing up and and serve it to the masses in a way that's easily digestible. Um, and I, you know you, you do that as far as your content, it's 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 fuck it's I mean it's hands down like the best thing that I've seen. You know, if, if you just need, you have two minutes, you could digest some super important information that one will help you lift better, uh, be prepared for certain lifts. Um, those little minor things that are tiny if you kind of look at it. But when you actually put it into play, it makes a huge difference. So, yeah. man, keep up the good work. We really appreciate you being on. Um
2: very much is man. the
0: app that um uh, that you mentioned that you're programming. train about. heroic
1: uh so train train heroic they they host a you know a bunch of coaches lots of programs so i've got a couple online teams and a number of programs through that um but you i mean you can find all that stuff just through CatalystAthletics.com. any anything i'm doing you can find through there uh that's kind of the portal for all things greg everett awesome man
0: thank
1: so you very much a pleasure like it hey, thank, thank you, you guys thank you guys for having me i appreciate on. it
2: thank yeah. you Any very much.
1: excuse to start drinking at 2 30 in the afternoon i'm gonna tell you
0: <laughs> it's a little later for us but you know what if the times were switched i'd still fucking hang out and have hey, a day with you, man. i can't yeah, let yeah. you guys
1: drink by yourselves that's <laughs> all right guys thank you very that. much i appreciate thank it you all right, brother. Thank you. Yo, take, take care
2: it easy, man.